0: If this is your first time visiting, my name is Jordan. I am our online pastor, and so I get to uh, just create content throughout the week to help us engage uh, with one another in community and with God Monday through Sunday so that we are able to stay centered in the Word of God and in who Jesus is. And I'm also one of our teaching pastors and have the privilege of continuing our New Year's series called Dangerous Prayers. And praying is this emphasis that we started last year. Really, it's something that uh, we should be doing all of the time. Uh, Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says, pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Not just when the times are difficult, but when the times are thriving. Perhaps when we are feeling stuck. Perhaps when we are feeling unwanted. Unwanted perhaps when we are going through different tension in relationships or trials and trying to seek wisdom, or perhaps when we are rejoicing and praising God, or even just sitting in awe of who God is, pray without ceasing. And it's this emphasis, thanks um, to our Next Steps Pastor Kim, just pushing our staff to become a staff that prays without ceasing. And we're continuing that emphasis going into 2023 through a series on fasting and praying. And fasting historically is a uh, spiritual practice that we see all throughout Scripture. And in Scripture, in in biblical times, a lot of times fasting was done um, for food. But it wasn't just then. Paul also says uh, for couples, it is healthy to fast from sex for periods of time simply just to uh, lean into each other and to spend time praying on the emotional and spiritual level. And so we see different types of fasting throughout Scripture. And and what kind of fasting has become in today's culture has strictly been about dieting in different ways and and a lot of times unhealthy dieting, but can also be used in other senses. And and we've kind of defined fasting for ourselves of just simply what does it look like for us to sacrifice something that consumes us and surrendering that to God. God. And then replacing that which we gave up, that which we are fasting from, with a spiritual practice. Whether it's praying, whether it's serving, whether, it's, um, whether it is uh, studying scripture, meditating on scripture, praying, journaling, uh, or being in community, in relationship, whatever that might be. And so for these 21 days from January 9th to January 29th, uh, from Monday to Sunday, we are spending 21 days as a church praying and fasting. And we have challenged our entire community to give up something to give up something during this 21 days, whether it is social media, whether it is Netflix, whether it is um, screen time, or uh, perhaps it is soda or or sugar, or uh, perhaps you are fasting a meal. Maybe every Monday you're giving up a lunch. um, and, And whatever the case may be, whatever you give up, the whole point of fasting is then to replace it with something of God. And we believe that if you spend these 21 days praying and fasting, that your life will be radically changed for the better. And that, that is a guarantee. I, I don't like guaranteeing things up on stage and saying name it and claim it, but I, I feel very confident in saying if you Spend 21 days and why 21? Because that is what um, a different scholar's report is enough time to establish a habit, establish a routine. If you spend 21 days praying and fasting, you'll find yourself in a better place because of it, and you will have established healthier routines and a habitual practice of praying and prioritizing prayer in your life, praying without ceasing in all circumstances. And last year, we were just encouraging people, spend one minute a day, spend five minutes a day, different times throughout your day, sacrifice time to pray. For this series, we're taking prayer to the next step, to another level. Kim kicked us off last week in our Dangerous Prayer series, giving us three different prayers throughout this series To where if we are wanting to take that next step, what does it look like for us to pray dangerously, courageously, boldly? Rather than our prayer life being self-centered, where a lot of times, if we're being honest, our prayers are consumed with me and I. And what does it look like for us to pray prayers that will impact others and will benefit others and will benefit the kingdom of God? Dangerous prayers. You see, God wants all types of prayers. Prayers. God wants us to be in communication with him. To both be speaking and listening. And so the prayers that benefit ourselves, God, protect me, protect my family, heal us, provide, sustain me. Those are all good prayers. But a lot of times, especially in Western Christianity, a lot of times our prayers stop there. And we want to, during this series, encourage us this year to start praying others-centered Prayers, and godly-centered prayers, kingdom-centered prayers, dangerous prayers. And so last week, Kim kicked off this message talking about prepare me, walking us through the full armor of God, because, friends, this is a battlefield. 2023 will be no different than 2022 if we don't make changes or if we don't lean into the word of God and equip ourselves with the full armor of God. And when we do that, the enemy is going to attack, suffering, suffering, is inevitable. Pain is inevitable. But it doesn't have to compromise your relationship with God. You can use it to strengthen you. Whether you're someone who is in middle school or all the way retired, you have a purpose. And prayer can establish that purpose in you and through you and among you. And so prepare me. What does it look like for you in your purpose, in your pain, in your suffering, in your journey, in your calling? To be prepared. And as I was studying for this series, it was so fascinating to me. Um, I came across this fact and and, and just spent some time um, researching it to make sure that this was the case because it blew me away. But uh, did you know that the only time that the disciples ask Jesus to teach them something is, Lord, teach us how to pray? Isn't that fascinating? The only time the disciples specifically say, Lord, teach us something is teach us how to pray. Which blew me away because Jesus did some crazy supernatural things. Like I would think that when Peter is in the boat with the rest of the disciples in a storm and Jesus is walking on water, that Peter may have thought, hey, Lord, can you teach me how to walk on water? No, he just says, Lord, if it is you, then I will be able to. And Jesus says, we'll come. And so he gets out of the boat and then after a couple steps ends up sinking. But he didn't feel like the supernatural things, the miraculous things, the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them. So what does that say about Jesus' prayer life? That's the question that I was just wrestling with this week as I was thinking about that. If the disciples were craving a prayer life like Jesus's to the point of, Lord, will you teach us how to do this? And so if you aren't sure how to pray, you're in really good company. You're in really good hands. And that's why as a church, we are coming together to teach us, to teach you, to learn ourselves how to pray. Today's prayer, perhaps, though, may be the most dangerous one we'll walk through throughout this series. I just want to kind of give that disclaimer up front. Today's prayer, perhaps, will be uh, the most dangerous one throughout series. And so when the disciples asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray, this is how Jesus responds. In Luke chapter 11, this is known as the Lord's Prayer. Luke writes this, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name. Magnificent is your name. I'm awe-inspired with your name. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. Give us each day our daily bread. Lord, sustain us. Provide for us. Hold us. Help us. Give us. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Lord, redeem us. Forgive us so that we may forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us toward you. Lead us toward your will, toward your life. Lord, teach us how to pray. Today, we're going to pray, Lord, break me. Lord, break me. More commonly known as the Father, break my heart for what breaks yours, prayer. Break my heart for what breaks yours. But Lord, break me. An absolutely terrifying prayer. One as I was studying this week and thinking this week. I'm like, how on earth am I going to convince people to pray this? Because I don't even want to pray it myself. Lord, break me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And here's why this is a dangerous prayer. Is because we love comfort. I love Chipotle. Bruce loves Taco Bell in a very unhealthy way, like four times a week type of love. Brad loves soda, and that's why this week of him fasting soda was tough, was really tough. We love comfort. We love feeling good. We love feel-good faith. We love spiritual highs. We love being reassured and encouraged that what we are doing for God is the right path. And oftentimes we decide that how we are living is good based on how we feel. A lot of times we feel that reassurance from God because of whether or not our endorphins are pumped up and we are feeling good about the current circumstances. And so this prayer goes against everything our body, our flesh wants to do because we are asking God to break us down, to humble us, so that we may be broken for what breaks God's heart. And so the question we have to ask is, what breaks God's heart? What breaks God's heart? And friends, the the obvious one, the easiest one that we see all throughout Scripture and what Paul spends a lot of his time talking about is sin. When you read Paul's letters... When you read Paul's letters to the Romans, to the Ephesians, to the Galatians, to the Thessalonians, to the, uh, the, the, uh, those in Philippi, and he's writing specifically in Rome. If you're reading through Rome, it's why there's something known as the Roman road, the way to receive salvation. You can just read through Romans uh, chapters 1 through 16. You can see how you can receive eternal life. It is sin, sin, sin must be murdered, murdered, murdered. And that is why God sent his son, Jesus, to be killed, placing all of eternity's sin on his back on the cross so that we may receive eternal life by receiving that gift freely. But sin breaks God's heart. Absolutely breaks God's heart. Our pride, our judgment, our gluttony, our idolatry, our sexual immorality, Breaks God's heart. And then a part of sin, just a couple more bullet points just to be thinking about, like kind of under this. These all kind of fall under the category of sin, but I wanted to expand that category and kind of break it down. Apathy, something we don't talk about enough as Christ followers. Apathy, being an apathetic Christian or being a lazy Christian, being someone who is unenthusiastic about the gospel kind of just stays in our comfort zone. Pride. Pride is the secret killer. It is the silent killer. Thinking that we are better than others. But, let's take it a step further. It's even thinking that their sin is greater than ours. Well, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. My mom and I were joking this last week about how so often we go to some of the worst people in human history when we're comparing ourselves to them. Well, at least we're not like this historical figure. Like, how many of us do that? (laughs) Pride. Also thinking that, ah, there's no way. Or even just thinking that we've got it figured out. Or that the way we are living, that we can't learn anything else. That, there, that, that we have the perfect theology of the word of God. That everything we believe about the scriptures is true. And everything others believe perhaps is incorrect if it doesn't align with my viewing of scripture. Pride, man, the silent killer. Because when going unchecked, you can live your entire life prideful and it will wreck your relationships. It will wreck your friendships and it will wreck your relationship with God and distance you from that. What breaks God's heart? Seeing people walk away from Jesus. breaks them. That's why I love that last song, Run to the Father, this prodigal son and daughter, this concept of those who were lost are now found. And some of you as parents have have had to walk through your child walking away from Jesus or living for Jesus a little bit differently than the good old days. Perhaps you may have used to. Or how culture is shifting and how priorities are shifting. Our staff and elders were reading a book together, um, and I just read a chapter on genuine community, talking about how millennials have now passed as of 2020, pre-COVID t- 2020, uh, and 2019-2020. Uh, millennials have now passed as the, uh, the the boomers and Gen Xers as the loneliest generation. Loneliest generation pre-COVID, and then COVID just uh, made it uh, astronomically more difficult and and worse to be in true community. Because showing up is hard. It's exhausting. Staying in contact is exhausting. We spend so many hours here on staff trying to figure out how to connect with one another and create events and create things. And friends, the staff don't even always want to show up all the time. I'd be lying if I said that I wanted to come back to church after working a full day in the evenings. I get it. We understand that having genuine community is exhausting. It is so much easier to log online. But the benefits of community, it's one of those things like as soon as you do show up and as soon as you are a part of the event, more times than not it's like, wow, that was so worth it. And then you go home and and you get back into the chaos. What breaks God's heart? Lack of community. Lack of community. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And friends, this is such a difficult prayer because the fine-tuning process of the heart, the pruning process, as I've talked about when we talk about suffering, is painful. And So that's why I'm like thinking this week, like, how am I going to sit up here and stand up here and convince people to pray a painful prayer? Nobody wants to suffer. That's why it's called suffering. Nobody wants to experience pain. And even after we've experienced pain and we've benefited from the growth, because that's what pain produces, that's what pressure produces, it it produces growth, it produces humility, it produces understanding, experience, oftentimes relationships, we then say, okay, that suffering may have been worth it, but I don't want to go through anything else again. <laughs> so I've been like, where I'm at in my grief journey, almost uh, just after nine years of losing my dad, like where I'm at is I'm grateful for my father's loss because of the growth I've experienced since then. Now, friends, that took five to six to seven years to get to this place where I am so overjoyed with the growth I've experienced from grief. So if you're like, freshly grieving or experiencing pain or you're 20 years down the road and still not there yet, that's okay. My mindset is I've already gone through the suffering so now let's reap the benefits of that suffering. But even in that, and I know the growth of the person I am today because of the loss of my father, I don't want to lose anyone else. I don't want to suffer anymore. What breaks God's heart though? Because oftentimes that fine-tuning process We'll open our eyes for things that we didn't notice before. For burdens that we didn't notice before. For injustices that we didn't notice before. I believe it's Brandon Heath's song, Lord, give me your eyes for just one second. Like, give me your eyes so I can see the poverty, the racism, the trafficking, the pride, the wealth chasing, the different things. Because when you pray this prayer, you'll never be the same. When you pray, Lord, break me, humble me, break my heart for what breaks yours, you will never be the same. It's terrifying. It's dangerous. It's scary. Because these type of prayers require action. You will become extremely burdened by that which burdens God to the point of where you'll have to respond. To the point of where as great as thoughts and prayers are, it requires the next steps, thoughts, prayers, and action. Because you will be so griefed and burdened by God's heart that you'll have to do something about it. And I think that's why Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, And so carry each other's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Well, we know that when Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, that you encompass the entire laws and all of the prophecies that we see in the old covenant. And so to literally put your neighbor on your back. So when Jesus is asked, well, then who is my neighbor? He shares a story that talks about multiple different neighbors, one being the enemy of the Good Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? Who should I carry the burden of? Who should I be grieved over? Who should I be burdened over? Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. This series, Dangerous Prayers, comes from the book, Dangerous Prayers, believe it or not, by Craig Rochelle, incredible pastor and author of over 20 different books And in in that book, there's this quote that he says, what if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? What if the suffering, the pruning, the praying that we experience produces the greatest growth, the greatest blessings, the greatest knowledge, the greatest humility? What if God's trials produce trust? What if? I remember when I first prayed this prayer uh, in college, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I think it's the Casting Crown song. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Help me see what you see, Lord. Open my eyes so that I may never be the same. Because when you pray this, you will never be the same. But it will require godly humility. I remember when praying this and, and I was in, in college and I was just, you know, all of a sudden became so passionate about uh, racial reconciliation and passionate about uh, being an advocate and, and vocalizing kind of the pain of my, my brothers and sisters who experience continual racism. And at first, what happens is when we are broken, it usually is this unhinged passion and fire that is produced. And passion without prayer is poisonous. Let's just say it that way. Passion without prayer is poisonous. And so a lot of times what happens is we become aware of different injustices or different things that are going on or things that break God's heart. And we don't spend time in prayer. And we don't spend time seeking humility so that we can kind of fine-tune that passion And we make impulsive decisions. that was me. It was me in college. I got really passionate about something that broke God's heart, something very valid. And I just wanted to tell the world about this brokenness, thinking that the rest of the world would receive an arrogant passion. And it took kind of years and just growth and maturity of figuring out how to become a safe person to have that conversation with. But that's still, to this day, the thing that breaks my heart, being someone who is is passionate about reconciliation and conciliation and biblical justice. I'm as passionate today, but I've learned how to have that conversation and how to handle it in a healthy way. And so when you pray this, perhaps you'll become broken about different things. Perhaps trafficking will break you. Perhaps addiction will break you. Perhaps poverty will break you. Perhaps sanctity of life will break you. Perhaps the next generation will break you. Perhaps church will break you. Perhaps reaching the unreachables, the untouchables throughout the world will break you. And that's a good place to be. Because that's why the the prophet Micah in the Old Testament says this He has shown you, God has shown you, immortal, what is good. This is a good place to be. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you in that goodness, in that brokenness, in that prayer? Three letter word act. To act justly, to walk humbly love mercy. Act justly, to love mercy, walk humbly. That's what this prayer does. Like I said, that's why it's dangerous. Because this prayer requires a step to lessen the burden, to lighten the load. It'll break you in the best way possible. It's scary. It's dangerous. It's painful. But the growth it's astronomical. He has shown you, immortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Here's how I want to close today, friends. Um, I want to give us a couple next steps and then read one verse and then pray. Like I said, the entire week I was trying to figure out, like, how do I— it's always a question like when you got a a, a message that you want to communicate it well and you want to try to figure it out how will it be perceived and I know it's how it's perceived because I perceive this like this stinks. like let's go back to the nice prayers <laughs> and, and here's the reality this prayer hurts. But the call of Christ is to carry others' burdens. And to do that, we must be broken. Now, you're not going to stay broken. That's the benefit. But it's an ongoing process for your life. You might get to a place of brokenness and then you might start to heal from that and then start to be, um, uh, you start to act in different ways and then God down the road will show you something else. And so your passions may change a little bit and that's okay. You're understanding the things you learn about, the way that you're, okay. Here's kind of what I want to voice in that. Just because you are burdened by something different or someone else is burdened by something you don't fully understand, doesn't mean that what they are burdened by is less valuable or less important. Because the reality is you can't place your energy toward everything that God is burdened by. That's something I want to be very clear about. You can't be passionate about every single thing that God is passionate about. You at least can't place energy towards everything God's passionate about. You'll burn out. That's why I think God is wired each and every one of us and in places in specific relationships and conversations. But you still need to value everything that God is broken about. And so, if someone else is passionate about something or burdened by something, don't stand as a roadblock or a limitation to that. Doesn't mean you have to volunteer for fifty different organizations. That would be crazy. But perhaps you can pray for the different organizations. So here's kind of some next steps I want to do. Andy Stanley has this line that we've talked about so often. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. As you pray this, God is going to break your heart. I guarantee it. If you humbly sit and pray, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Lord, break me. God will break your heart, and you'll become passionate. You'll become burdened. You will will become excited, but also grieved about that which God is broken by. And so do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Something we have to do as pastors. We can't help everyone. That's why we're the church. We're the community. So sometimes we have to tell people yes, sometimes we have to tell people no, it's the same with you. Do for one, find your one, either your person, your organization, your passion, your brokenness, and and this will come from prayer. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Second next step, when you find out what breaks God's heart, respond humbly and respond gently and spend time in prayer. Because like I said, Passion without prayer is poisonous. Last verse for today Ephesians 4 2. A lot of Paul today, perhaps because he talked a lot about prayer and a lot about sin and what broke God's heart. Be completely humble and gentle. How do you become more gentle? By cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. How do you cultivate the fruit of the spirit in your life? Through prayer, through spending time with God, through serving, through sacrifice. Be humble and gentle, be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Friends, this prayer will change you. Sure, it will break you, but it will change you and draw you closer to God. And so if you are feeling stuck, this is kind of the why. If you are feeling stuck, if you're feeling unwanted, if you are feeling lethargic, if you are feeling burdened, pray this prayer. Lord, break me. Open my eyes. And even if you think you've got it all figured out, pray it again. And never stop praying dangerously. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your words, your scripture, your message. What's cool about the church, God, is we're all broken and passionate about different things, and we get to come together as one body to hopefully make up throughout the world, one body, your church, covering vast, array of just different things that break your heart so that we may provide peace through you and comfort through you and hope through you to those who are hurting. Lord, break us for what breaks your heart. your name I pray, amen.